Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the awesomeo.com NFL Strategy Show Monday Morning Quarterback Edition. Woo! Week six in the book. And Derrick Henry, man, Derrick Henry put a beating on a lot of people who then claimed that he was a terrible play and you're an idiot for playing him. Well, Blenderhead isn't saying that, and neither are a bunch of other people that want a ton of money with Derrick Henry. That's only one of the many things we're going to get into on today's show. And we're happy to have you guys with us. I'm Dave Locker and joining me, you know them, Josh Ingeman on Twitter at Josh Ingeman. Adam Scher, follow him at ShipMyMoneyDFS. Follow me at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Adam, I'll start it off with you and we're going to go through the process. Josh is working the controls today with Fantasy Cruncher, looking at a lineup study and, and a bunch of other stuff to really break down what we had from week six and what we can apply for week seven. But the, the conversation on, on Twitter about Derrick Henry was really something else. So you actually went through to see how many people played him, how many people didn't. And we're talking about how many good, like professional players played him and how many didn't. And I don't know, you have the results. Yeah. So I went through and just looked at, at a few names on um, petty theft, 41%, Alex, 26%, Chipotle and Papa Gates, 0.7 and 2% and then Ricky D 23%. So um, I, I personally came in at 20%. Seemed like, you know, most people were kind of just getting around the field. Um, it, I don't know, the, the Twitter conversation just kind of summed up what Twitter is. Like there's no nuance or anything like Derrick Henry being a marginal play at his ownership turns into you're a fish. If you played Derrick Henry, like, I don't know. It was just bizarre. Yeah. It was kind of strange. Um, it was kind of strange. And, the, the thing, Josh, that bothered me was not that not anybody want to f- wanting to fade Derrick Henry. Like if you if you're fading Derrick Henry, you don't love the pass catching upside um, and, 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 or the lack of pass catching upside. I get that. But then to make the argument that he can't be played at seventy three hundred because he doesn't have pass catching upside, but then ignoring the fact that you know, his average touch count is 25 every week. And then saying, well, he did it in the fourth quarter and ignoring the fact that games have four quarters for a reason and chalk is chalk oftentimes because they can do that at any point in the game. It just doesn't add up to me, man. Well, I'm on team uh, Papa Gates and Chipotle here. So I think you guys are all wrong. I agree. Everyone should have faded him and we just got unlucky. Okay. How do you really feel? Uh, 
closer to that than the opposite side. <laughs> it's <laughs> the only thing that I can uh, hang my hat on to make myself not want to just bash myself over the face with my Yeti mug. It was brutal, brutal. Watching him break that run was awesome to see. And then I knew that I didn't have to open my phone again. Yeah, it was it was Derrick Henry eclipsing 200 yards and making himself the best play on the slate. But it, again, Adam, when it comes to to good chalk and bad chalk, one of the the more important things, and I, I'd love for you to touch on it here. You you had mentioned before we did the show of uh, the way that some people look at chalk and just like okay, auto fade, uh, or the fact that really there isn't that heavy of chalk in NFL to begin with. That's a process that can get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It just goes back to what we talk about a lot that you're, you're looking in the context of your lineup. you you can't just decide in a vacuum. Someone's a bad play at their, you know, because of their ownership. Like it, it just means that you want to be aware of who they're in lineups with. In the case of Derek Henry, I think that individually he was projected to be a little bit overowned in terms of his chance of success versus his ownership, but you have to get points somewhere in your lineup. And he was one of the top projected running backs in terms of points if you're different at wide receiver or different at quarterback or all of the above or something, there's no reason why you would still be saying Derrick Henry's too popular. Can't play him. Like that makes no sense. And it's a terrible way to look at it. So I think that's really what it comes back to is you can't just look at every player individually and say, Oh, they're too popular because a lot of the high scoring players are going to be popular and are going to be slightly overowned If you're just looking at their chances of success versus their ownership. Josh, I guess we can take a look here. Uh, at some lineup study numbers and we can pull up the $500,000 slant uh, yesterday. I, let me tell you, I really the that whole afternoon slate was, was unreal. I didn't have a ton of Mike Gusecki, but the fact that, that two tight ends scored for Miami and he didn't have a catch, at least he didn't have a catch last time I looked in the fourth quarter. Uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, one of the most heinous performances you're going to see from Rodgers ever, uh, just across the board. Even the Sunday night game, Jared Goff with three of the worst quarters you'll ever see played too. So who knows? The, the level of parity in the NFL right now is crazy. P-A-R-I-T-Y, not O-D-Y. Uh, just anything can happen. There's so much equality from week to week. And Josh, before we look at lineup study, I will say, uh, I like your opinion. It makes things really tough when, when there, there is such an extreme level of equality week to week where, you know, San Francisco gets blown out by Miami last week and then comes into last night's game and trashes the Rams who were four and one. Yeah. I'm glad I played a lot of San Francisco two weeks ago. That was smart. <laughs> I mean, it just feels fully rant. Like Jimmy G got benched weeks ago. Great super necessary last night like i'm either a week earlier or a week behind but i'm never the same week that much i can tell you uh i've got i've got that days. is bad process <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> it's bad process to be a week earlier or a week late <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's definitely not the same week that much i can tell you uh i've got the slant pulled up um highest owned players mike davis and dolphins d sure Mike Davis with the old 12.5. Dolphins D outscores. I hate the Dolphins D ownership. Like, to me, that's bad. Otherwise, everything else looks fine. Like, I don't think that... It's it's really hard for me to think that a defense should be 28% owned. Um, 
All the other ownership looks super normal to me. Yeah. And even the Dolphins, I, like, I agree with you. My first thought was, wow, there was a defense 28% owned. And, and I mean, I personally only had 14%, but it was just clearly like it, it worked in so many ways because they were in a great spot playing the Jets. They were cheap and let you get in whatever you wanted. There weren't a ton of like really decent pivots around them in salary. Like probably the best was like the Giants for $300 more. Yeah. But yeah, it, it kind of just worked in a lot of different ways. So in that regard, the ownership makes sense. But that being said, like almost a third of the field rostering the same defense is still kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty absurd. And, uh, you know, the the lineup that was at the top here, Blender had taken it down. Very solid player. He, he wins with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, I had a decent amount of them, too. It was just one of those strange spots where Baker Mayfield coming in with a bunch of injuries – He's not particularly good. They've done a good job with the ground game, but the Steelers have done a very good job of mitigating opposing teams' rushing attacks. Uh, and and it ended up, you know, they had a pretty solid outing. But Josh, the the winning defense here in the number one in the top lineup was four point two percent owned, and you see that a lot. Yeah, I mean, two of the five best performing defenses were essentially unowned. The Bucks and the Broncos, uh, 19 points for the Bucks, 14 for the Broncos. That's two of the five highest scores we had. And like, they were essentially not owned at all. We got a comment. Dolphins D shut out the Jets and scored 15 points. They were 2,900. Who cares how much they were owned? The whole point of the show. Well, the, the whole, so, okay. It doesn't matter what they did. That, well, let's talk about the wrong it for... part of this conversation. Let's talk about it for a second, because you know, some people, might not be familiar with defenses. I'll, I'll go to you, Alec or Adam. As far as defenses go, the the level of volatility is insane because being able to predict defensive touchdowns or kickoff return, punt return touchdowns, uh, and and even to some extent just turnovers in general, it's so fluky. So why would a thirty percent owned defense, well, while it hit and sometimes it does. Uh, what would be the reasons to get away from something like that other than what I've just talked about? Those, those are the reasons. But when you right. think about it, again, in the context of an entire lineup, um, but you can tie it into the Derrick Henry conversation, right? So Derrick Henry's 23% owned, and the running back position just has a lot less volatility than the, the defense position. So if you were, and, and obviously it's a simplistic example, but if you were just to pick one position to be different at on a relatively popular player, you would pick the one where there's more volatility and it's less projectable, which is defense. So um, that that's why it, you know, the, the ownership matters, you know, and I, I, like I said at the beginning, I think that on this particular slate with this particular price point and team, their ownership deserved to be higher than most. Yeah, I played a lot of dollars. But when you're pushing 30%, that's still kind of ridiculous. Like you're talking about, you know, in a 65,000 person tournament, like 20,000 people or 20,000 entries playing the same defense when we know the defenses are incredibly volatile. How much, how much Miami defense do you think you get I don't want to point that out like this, but the, you know, after the fact, so it doesn't really matter. We projected 18 and a half. They were owned 28. If you knew that it was 28, you'd probably have zero or close to it at that point, right? I, I'm guessing I would have been down. I was at 15. I'm guessing I would have been down around like eight, nine, ten. Like, I mean, wh- wherever I was, I don't even know a quarterback. So like wherever I had like Daniel Jones stacks or something, I probably would have been fine playing the Dolphins. Right. You know, you, you look at you look at Blender who won it, uh, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, sixteen defenses, and yeah. that was uh, seventy-seven lineups, not one hundred and fifty lineups. 
that's, you know, Josh, one way to go about it. He had 10% Dolphins, 12% Ravens, 9% Vikings, 8% Colts, 8% Patriots, 6% Panthers. Uh, and the reason people do that is obviously because you want to have exposure to a lot more defenses uh, than just a couple because it's so volatile. I mean, I, I think we should just get rid of defenses altogether. I don't know why we use it. It's, I mean, another flex spot would be pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it would. But we do have defenses. And as a matter of fact, defense plays a pretty big role in whether or not you win contests. Which is yeah. wrong. It I, is wrong. But, like you're, but you're it, right. But, it's, but that, that shouldn't be like the, the linchpin shouldn't be the most random piece of the lineup. I agree. I mean, I absolutely hated when Fandle had the kicker. And it, it's not so long ago that they got rid of that. The kicker position, when I would see someone win tournaments, I remember I had I had a couple of weeks where I just had phenomenal – this is back a while ago, right? Where I'd have phenomenal spots, and I look, I'm like top 40, top 30, and everyone ahead of me has the same kicker who scores 23 fantasy points. Like, you can't predict that stuff. And then people will be like, well, yeah, you can. You take a team that's really good in between the 20s. They're not great <laughs> uh, inside the red zone, and they've got a kicker with a great leg. All right, pal. Good luck predicting that every single week. You well, got- it, it, it just made it so much less fun, too. Like yesterday, for example, you would have been drawing dead if you didn't have Brandon McManus from the Broncos. Like, Right. right. It, it, great it just, point. It, it ruined that's, it. And defenses, at least point. to a lesser extent, um, you know, normally you're not going to have defenses that, like, you have to have. But yeah, like yesterday, it would have just been a brutal experience. Like, oh, I have Julio Jones and Justin Jefferson, but I don't have the Broncos kicker, so I can't win. Right. Exactly. Hey, by the way, guys, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, uh, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. It's the red one. It'll turn gray afterwards. Maybe it won't for you. I don't know. I've got my my YouTube in night mode now, Josh. Yeah. It looks pretty sleek, pretty cool on the Way phone, on the desktop. I dig it, man. I go night mode across the board. But uh, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell as well. And hey, hit the thumbs up too. Like Josh said, we're we're, we're moving on to the subscribe, right? But we appreciate when you like these videos. And if you don't like them. Hit the thumbs down twice. You can hit it twice, okay? <laughs> um, let's 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 move a little bit further here and talk about some of the the highest exposed guys that ended up being. Uh, you know what? No, we'll go to our chalk and our and our and our uh, bust report in a little bit, Josh. But among the top lineups, right? Usually, you'll pull like the top one percent, the top point one percent. Who did you? need to have Derrick Henry and Julio Jones, of course, being two of those. Was there anybody else that just seemed to work into these builds that that was in a ton of those spots? Yeah. Do you want me to just filter my lineups and sort it inversely? Cause I could tell you exactly <laughs> who you need. Um, Whatever works for you. That, that'll get you there pretty quickly. All right. So less than six, top 1%, uh, Derrick Henry in 80% of the top 1% lineups, Justin Jefferson, 71%, then Julio and Dolphins D, uh, both in the 50s. After that, you'd take a step down to um, Trey Burton, 38%. Glad I called him out on the show. That got me nowhere. <laughs> Glad I used A.J. Brown as my 100 yards and a touchdown pick. That didn't win, but he still scored twice. I'm so bad. And, and a couple <laughs> of my single-entry lineups, uh, I went in and I was, I, I was making some of them by hand, and I went with – I had Trey Burton in there. Uh, and then ended up going with uh, Irv Smith instead. And like, 
was it an absolute killer? I don't know. Uh, Burton had 21.9 at 3,100. Irv Smith had 11.5 at 2,500. It's not great at all. And it's probably not worth the $600. But, uh, you know, you look at the top lineup, Adam. T. Higgins was in it. Big game, Julio. Trey Burton, Steelers. Justin Jefferson, who's had now had two monster games this season. Brandon Cooks with another big game. Mike Davis, 21 looks in this one, but only 12 and a half fantasy points. Derrick Henry and Matt Ryan. You said before we started the show that you really liked this lineup. Yeah, I love the lineup because it almost looks like a lineup that he would have built by hand. I don't know if he just is much more efficient with optimizers than I am or if this lineup just you know kind of came together that way. But like every piece of this lineup either correlates with another piece or leverages against a popular piece. Like Justin Jefferson going off. If Justin Jefferson goes off, there's a good chance that Madison has a bad game and he didn't have Madison. So you have that. Um, Brandon Cooks uh, correlated with Henry. Um, You had T. Higgins was, I think, just a a good play and correlated with Trey Burton. Julio Jones – correlated with Jefferson and Ryan, obviously. Um, the only piece in here that was kind of on an island was Mike Davis, who was just one of the you know the most popular play on the slate. So it, it just, I thought, was a really good lineup in terms of construction, as well as obviously having the right players. Just every thing, a lot of positive correlation within the lineup and a lot of negative correlation with chalk pieces that he didn't play. All right, so if you're looking at, the all of the top lineups josh you already talked about a lot of the guys that needed to be in it what players were in these lineups that or what what players were the highest owned that you didn't want to have who do we have that was just the chalk busts uh usually every week there's a few of them now a lot of chalk did go off this week for sure but was there are there any players that really stand out as man i wish i didn't have them in my lineup uh, along with 20 plus percent of other people. Now we can just look at my regular ownerships, but uh, Madison was about as bad as it gets uh, Four fantasy points. He's the third most owned player in the slant. That didn't go well. After that, there wasn't anybody that was like really, really bad. Uh, everybody else was functional i guess like mike davis was bad at 28 percent ownership he only put up 12 and a half but in comparison to madison it's a very different experience yeah. it's still look that's a letdown madison's a letdown david montgomery's a letdown uh feeling gaskin any galladay got to 17.5 oh he didn't that. actually have I kept remembering chat saying that kenny galladay had zero that was just because fanduel refuses to have actual live scoring Yes. Galladay didn't score for like the first quarter plus. Right. Well, he had, yeah, he had start... zero in like the fourth quarter of the last oh, well, game yeah, on no, FanDuel because it's 1964 there. Yeah. Well, they, st- yeah, all of my lineups are still frozen with, uh, oh no, you know what? It looks like they finally updated, finally updated this morning. They still had like nine and 10 quarters to go in a bunch of these. So, who knows what the hell to think anymore? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny, Josh, because when you look at somebody like Mike Davis, he he got a lot of opportunities. He was very high on. He only finished with 12 and a half fantasy points, but he's in the winning lineup. And, and at 6,800, a lot of times you don't see something like that happen. But I guess just having the perfect build around that uh, can 
can make it work. And that's what happened. He had three targets. Yeah. He had 18 carries though. Right. Like he had, I don't, that's no one's ever projecting him for three targets yesterday's game. Not that that like makes a huge difference, but that is the exact sort of opposite of what you were expecting. You were, you're banking on what six more points just from catches basically. Yeah. Adam, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Alexander Madison here, right? Because there was a lot of talk of, of Derrick Henry being a fish play, uh, chalk, chalky fish play, but no talk of Alexander Madison uh, potentially being too high owned for his price point. Now, of course, it was the whole notion that he's going to come in and he's going to supplant Dalvin Cook and take his role over. We get all of that. But how would you view that at 25% with the massive bust and then Derrick Henry with similar ownership identical price points with an explosive blow up game. I'm still kind of torn on how I feel about Madison. Um, I, I had so am I. Right, That's why I'm asking. You. Yeah. I mean, I had him right around the field. I had 27% um, in cash. I, he was in my cash lineup before Derrick Henry was like, I, I'm not like looking back and saying, Oh yeah, it was a bad play. Like I'm still just kind of torn on how to feel about it because the same concerns I had before are still there. Like, he was expensive. He wasn't cheap. But that being said, he did have a great matchup against Atlanta. He was expected to get the majority of the work. Um, he got hurt by the fact that Atlanta just came out and threw like 21 points up in the first, I don't know, six minutes or something. Um, so, the, you know, Minnesota was playing from behind the entire game. He also lost goal line touches to Mike Boone, who didn't score, but got the touches. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Minnesota scored a two-yard touchdown on a pass to Adam Thielen. It was clearly like a floor, floor game. Um, I'm just still kind of torn on how I feel about him or how I felt about it in general, just because like he was expensive. It wasn't like he was like on Yahoo. He was $14. Like, okay, I played 95% and I don't regret it one bit. Um, Like he was expensive on DraftKings, but you know, again, we just got the complete low in terms of his utilization in the red zone and the game script of this game. So I, I think he was a good play still. Um, nothing's really changed on how I felt about it before. There, like I had a little bit of trepidation because he was so expensive, but at the same time, it was a great matchup. Um, if the game is competitive, you're expecting him to get a lot more touches. So I, I still think it was fine in hindsight. Steven says Robinson on the Jags thumb down. Yeah. Listen, I'll be honest with you, man. Given the, absolute ineptitude of that Jaguars offense 15 plus DraftKings points from Robinson was a gift uh he he provided us with enough to not crush you I mean think of it this way that could have just as easily been James Robinson in the winning lineup as Mike Davis weren't they the exact same price I think they were both 6,800 maybe I'm wrong I thought they were 7k yeah Madison was 72 Davis was 7k Henry was 73 Okay, so Rob, right, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so you know, you could have Robinson at six eight hundred with three or four more fantasy points than Mike Davis, and and it would work. It doesn't mean it was a great play, but you know. By the way, DJ Shark had this is this is incredible, fourteen targets 
seven receptions for 45 yards. That's that Cooper Cup stat line. God, that's – oh, don't even get me started on him, man. <laughs> don't get me started on him. I was on Twitter, and some people were livid with Cooper Cup. Man, they really take this shit personally. Um, yeah, I know at one point in the fourth quarter he was leading the team in targets, and he had zero yards. <laughs> that's, that's who Cooper Cup did? Cup, yeah. Decent. Wait, did he – how many targets did he have? At one point, he had seven targets, one catch for zero yards. He I got, remember the one for zero. Yeah, yeah I, I think he ended up – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but from watching the game, I think he ended up at like probably nine targets, two catches, 12 yards or something. That's insane. 14 targets yeah, for brutal. 45 yards for Chark. That's, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. Yeah, no question about it. It's almost as bad as the A.J. Green game from earlier in the year where he was like three of 13 for 23 yards, something egregious. By the way, so. it's nice to see that he got resuscitated. AJ, they broke they broke the paddles out for that guy. Yeah, I mean it was decent. I mean he's he targeted double digit times. Eight, eight, hey, right. eight for ninety six. I mean, eight, I mean eight that's for ninety six. I, I gotta say, I, I'm I'm beginning to get a little bit skeptical of this Indianapolis Colts defense. I, I think they faced a lot of pretty bad teams and they've looked pretty stellar. But uh, I, I don't know how much I'm buying into this. Do you buy into uh? Do you buy into Joe Burrow, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. Do you? Yeah. Look, I'm all about just getting the high-end talent at quarterback. Sometimes you need to just take Tua if you need to. Sometimes you need to take Jalen Hurts and get a new quarterback. Yeah, I'm all about that. To be fair, Wentz actually had an amazing second half of that game. Uh, Uh, I mean, he did. Your tweets were reading like you were ready to get rid of him at halftime, too. Oh, no, no, (laughs) I I was. I'm still ready to get rid of him. That doesn't take away from anything. Uh, I'll tell you what I am excited for. Travis Fulgham, I think, is going to be legit. Like, this kid looks really good. He had another 7 for 76 and a touchdown. 25% target share again against the tough Baltimore secondary. Uh, Buying into that entirely. Adam, I think we're going to look back in history at last week's game between the Steelers and Eagles, between Claypool and Fulgham, and say, oh, that was the beginning of something pretty big. Because Chase Claypool is going to be a stud, and somehow the Steelers have never missed on a wide receiver that they've scouted and drafted. I was going to say, that's heaping a lot of praise on Fulgham because Claypool is an absolute monster. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I'm not saying I, I don't anticipate Fulgham being Chase Claypool. What I'm saying is for a, a six round draft pick that was cut from 17 teams, I think <laughs> Fulgham's going to be pretty good. Like I, I'm fully buying into him, but yeah, Chase Claypool, whoo. Man, he's sick. He also has a much better quarterback, though. So, How yeah. is Fulgham going to be any good if he plays for the Eagles? He's due to be hurt immediately. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if that's... It's like the state of Pennsylvania can only have X number of good receivers, and the Steelers just grab all of, all of them, them for them. decades. <laughs> well, no, the Eagles get them. They're just on injured no, reserve. They don't. No, the Eagles don't get them. The Eagles know. haven't had a good receiver since the one was doing push-ups in his driveway shirtless. <laughs> Going back to the T.O. days? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Red Barnett. Yeah. I mean, even in the Super Bowl winning year, it was like you know, Alshon wasn't 100%. Zach Ertz was the guy. Corey Clement was getting – yeah, you're right. I mean, what you're saying is that Super Bowl was a fluke. Um, I wouldn't say it was a fluke, but I would say it was fluky. <laughs> <laughs> Winning a Super Bowl with your backup quarterback isn't sustainable. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't care. I'll call it a fluke. It happened. That's really all that matters. You know. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen a team I like in a championship game since I was two. So yeah, I take it. <laughs> I thought you were a Caps fan. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, so you got the caps. Yeah, it's hockey. It doesn't game. really count. Oh, it does, though. All right, Josh, let me uh, let me run it back to you here for a second and ask about um, what we talked about busts. We talked about guys that, that you didn't want in lineups. Were there ready, really, really low-owned players? Like last week we had Fulgham and Claypool, both sub 0.5%. Yeah. Any really low on players that just absolutely erupted this week? I feel like there weren't. Not really. Um, like Justin Jefferson was 11, so no. Julio, 10, no. You get into quarterbacks, so their, their numbers are going to be Rivers, a little bit right? higher. Watson, Ryan, yeah. Tannehill, Jackson, Wentz. Like all those guys are 5 to 10%. I mean, Wentz was 0.7% owned. He's totally. Oh, mean. I hear. I have one. Swift. I have one. DeAndre Swift, 30 fantasy and points. And <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Don't laugh Fertzer at Fertzer. 28 fantasy points at 25 at minimum salary and 0.6% owned. I had more of yeah. him than Burton or Smith, but didn't really you did. Know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd like 7% Ferkser. That's still not bad. Yeah. He had a huge game. Swift, DeAndre Swift, Swift for 30 feels like the least random one. So, um, so as an aside, I guess just kind of looking forward or to make a broader point, make sure when you're, like making lineups for next week that you look at usage for guys because one narrative I saw on Twitter yesterday was basically, yeah, this was like the Deandre Swift coming out party. This was obviously coming like blah, 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 blah. His usage didn't really change. All that really changed was he got goal line carries, which is nice, but you can't really bank on that week to week. So, um, you know, not saying that his stock isn't rising, but he did have a monster game on very minimal usage. Adrian Peterson still had 15 carries and a goal line touchdown. So, yeah. Uh, very valid points there, Adam. I, now, to, also, DeAndre Swift did have 14 carries, though, and seven or and four targets. So it was by far his highest workload of the year. Uh, but Adrian Peterson also saw a lot. Now, do I think do I think we're going to start seeing the tides turn a little bit in Detroit and Swift get worked in more? I absolutely do. But I guess what you're saying is, you know, don't run out there assuming that he's now the bell cow backs primed for 20 touches every week. Yeah, exactly. Like, I agree. I think, I mean, logically, it makes sense that he's going to get more work going forward. And this was probably the start of that. But I think that there's a tendency, especially when you're talking about, you know, a, an early draft pick that everyone wants to see succeed. And then you see him have this big game. There's a tendency for like confirmation bias to be like, yeah, see, it's happening. And you kind of overlook that step in the middle where it's like he had a really efficient game. and there's still going to be risk. If like, if he's utilized the same way he was this week, he's still going to have plenty of bad games because he didn't get a ton of opportunity. Um, I, I do think it's trending in the right direction. It's just kind of, you know, pay attention to make sure. And it's the case for everybody. Make sure you're paying attention to, to actually what goes into them having a big game. And you don't kind of lose sight of that for, and get caught up in like the narrative of, Oh, DeAndre Swift's finally happening. For sure. And, and Josh, by the way, to get off topic a little bit here, back to something we discussed earlier, if you're wondering why a lot of people, like to get ample exposure to defenses. And we talk about the volatility. I was just scrolling through the lowest own, uh, you know, top performers and lo and behold, your highest performing uh, defense on the week was the Buccaneers at 0.3% ownership scored more fantasy points than any other defense. Yes, they did. Um, you just don't have to, I, I can't imagine wanting to play like a 28% owned defense with any sort of regularity. That's just craziness to me. It still depends on who else you're playing, obviously. Like, you know, like, like if you're, I don't know if that's totally true at defense, but I know what you're like, it's not not true. 
Yeah. I mean, like if I'm hand building a lineup yesterday and I have, you know, so I'm actually choosing like what defense is in that one lineup and I have, I don't, I don't have a particular example in mind, but it's something that I know if my stat goes off, I have, I'm in like the top 1%. I'm probably just playing the defense that I think is in the best spot. Right. Yeah. That's a hundred percent agree with you there. Like if it's between the dolphins at 2,900 and it's between, um, if it's just a team that was facing a really good, like, and the Eagles at 2,800, you're going with the dolphins there. Right. Um, and also, but, but also like the flip side of that, and it goes back to the volatility, you can use defenses effectively to leverage too. Like one thing that I think people look at way too much with defenses is they look at it in terms of preventing points, which it it gets you points, but you really get points off of touchdowns. So taking a risk on a cheap defense that's facing a team that's going to throw a lot, even if it's a team that's probably going to put up points is a good way to be contrarian in tournaments because those defenses are normally low owned. Um, the bucks, for example, um, you know, that you guys mentioned, but you can also use them to leverage, like, because there is so much volatility. If a bunch of people are playing the Packers going to the cheap defense, that's going to be playing against Aaron Rodgers throwing 40 passes does give you upside, even if it's not going to be realized all that often. Um, that that's obviously an extreme example since nobody saw that game going how it did, but, um, you know, embracing the volatility of defenses is one way to, get leverage against the field in tournaments and, and pay attention to defenses. They're going to be playing against teams that pass a lot because it, it increases their ceiling. It does. And like you said, hand building a lineup, you know, in one spot, there's definitely decisions that you're going to make where you just don't want to go. Uh, you, you don't want, I, I think what you were ultimately saying is you don't want the Eagles def- You don't want your defense to be the reason that you lost that tournament because your stack went off and you went insane with a hand build and a single entry uh, with a team that was, you know, a double digit dog. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't, I don't know what teams were like super low owned yesterday. I'm but... assuming the Eagles would be one with a 30 point total against them. And right. So let's say yesterday you stacked the Browns and Steelers game. So you had like, you know, Mayfield, Beckham, Landry, and brought it back with like, you know, Claypool or something. It doesn't. You're if that stat goes off, you're at the top of tournaments anyway. There, I, I wouldn't be looking to get away from the Dolphins in that case. Right. I got a point. Marcos, uh, Dolphins ownership twenty eight percent in the slant, twenty three percent for the hundred and fifty maxers. So that's exactly yeah. what you would expect. To me, in that case, um, a defense gets disproportionately owned in the aggregate. The hundred and fifty maxers bring that sort of back to neutral a bit. Yeah. Like looking across the people that I had pulled up, um, petty theft had 20%. I had 15%. Alex had 28. Chipotle brothers had 34 and 41. Ricky D had 13. So, I mean, yeah, you, you pretty much saw everyone play them. It was just, you know, some of us pulled it down a little bit. And everybody plays them less. I would expect if we estimate their ownership slightly higher. That's possibly true. Marcos actually asked a, a question. He, he he put a laughing emoji, so I don't know if he was serious, but he said, wait, so people don't pick defense to save salary on other positions? No, um, you, you absolutely should. Yeah, exactly. You, you should. It doesn't mean, though, that that's the be-all and end-all. Like, it doesn't mean that you only play cheap defenses every week. And um, it's another yeah. spot to pay. Yeah, because obviously it's slate-dependent. It's another spot to pay attention to. I think it was one or two weeks ago 
um, when Baltimore played Cincinnati, they were actually one of my highest owned plays because they were expensive. They were like 4% owned, but I didn't have any trouble finding salary that I, or finding value. I liked at other positions. And so I just jammed in a bunch of Baltimore in a spot where I thought they could get a lot of sacks and they'd be playing a quarterback that was going to throw a ton. And so, you know, paying up for defense can be a way to be contrarian, but you don't want to do it at the expense of upside at other positions. You need it to be a slate where you have value at running back and wide receiver. For sure. Uh, and ultimately, Josh, the chalk at a lot of positions went off this week, and, and sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, let's actually end on this. I'll ask both of you guys because I think this is applicable not just for, for football but for other sports as well. Baseball is a little bit different, especially given that chalk at a hitter position, you know, they all get four or around four opportunities, and, you know, the best baseball players still fail like 70% of the time. You know that common saying, whatever it is. Uh, but as far as like chalk goes, is there a balance that you try to find uh, when it comes to, you know, coming in around the field, well above the field on chalk, coming in way under the field uh, on chalky plays? Because as you mentioned, it may have been before the show that chalk and football isn't like chalk in many other sports. It's like, it's a lot more, uh, it's tamped down from other sports. Uh, so your thoughts on approaching chalk with people saying, you know, fish play, this, that, great play, bad play, should have been higher on, should have been lower on, et cetera. I mean, I just basically, uh, like, nobody is generally speaking chalk. Mike Davis at 28% ownership is not a particularly high number. It's sort of like golf. These guys get into the, high the highest 20s. owned of anyone. He was. Yeah. Okay. On days where you have, like, it was a week one or week two, Boston Scott gets to like 40 or 50 because these guys get a different yeah. role and a lower price. That is actual chalk. This is just the guys that happen to be owned the most. And I think there's a distinction between those two things. Um, so much of it for me just simply comes down to who else is in that salary tier? How owned are they? And how much do I think they should be owned? And that's sort of what got me, I don't want to say into trouble, but Davis, Madison, and Derrick Henry were three guys separated by $300, all with very similar projected ownership with very similar projections. I had Henry like a half step behind those two guys. So I ended up with a bunch of Madison. Uh, a, I ended up with a neutral amount of Madison, a bunch of Mike Davis, and minimal amounts of Derrick Henry. That could have just, with an extra half point projected to Derrick Henry, that entire scenario could have been reversed. But that's just how that scenario worked out for me. I ran out of ownership in that salary tier. It didn't have anything really to do with how any of those three guys were projected from an ownership perspective. They were all basically the same guy. I just chose wrong. Same question to you here, Adam. Yeah. I think the P like there, there's two pieces when you look at chalk and everyone just talks about the ownership number. The other just as important piece is chance of success. And that, that like formula is really how you determine where you should end up on them. Um, if someone is, 60% owned, but somehow has a 90% chance of succeeding, then they're too low owned, even though they're 60%. Um, so you really have to to evaluate both sides of that. And I, I think like on yesterday's slate, for example, Madison and Davis and Henry were more or less owned where they should be, um, maybe a little bit over owned. And I think, you know, for me, that's where I, that's why I ended up basically right around the field on all three of those guys. There were plenty of lower owned guys that I thought had a better chance of success than their ownership on um, Devante Freeman uh, being one that, that I got to a lot of, but um, it, it's, it really just depends their chances of success versus the other players at their price point and at their position. 
um, in, in determining how you want to approach it. There, there's so much talk about just looking about ownership and, and chalk, and it's only half the equation, and it leads you to some really bad conclusions, I think. Yeah, for sure. Great analysis, fellas. You see the lineup study, by the way, uh, on the screen, Josh, and, and, and the, th- the three of us have scrolled through it uh, every week here on the Monday, Monday Morning Strategy Show. You can get that add-on at awesomeo.com. So if you do decide to sign up, you want to join us over at awesomeo.com slash join, by the way. Uh, be sure to uh, decide and check out whether or not you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on. It's not just a lineup study like this, but uh, amazing optimizer. There's so much you can do with it. They're always adding new features for all of these sports. Uh, I mean, it's the best one out there for sure. Uh, but we've got all sports, all content, projections, ownership, uh, you name it. You guys that have been with us for a while already know this, but uh, Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player in the world. These are his ownership projections, his top stack tools, his projections, his top player tools, all of that stuff on the site so that we all have the privilege of using that as well uh, and hopefully winning some money in the process. You can check out the Hall of Fame page too uh, on Twitter and some of the testimonials. We've had a lot of huge wins here with Awesome Subs and we'd love to have you come join us. So whether it's just a weekly express pass for $3.95 a week where you get all our showdown content now as well, all of our premium showdown content, ownership, projections, top player tool, you name it, or you want to go with a single sport, NFL weekly, NFL monthly, or you just want to do the whole thing, right? Uh, you can do annual, of course, as well. But you want to do everything from MMA to NASCAR, PGA, football, basketball, hockey, League of Legends. You love playing DFS. You want to get on, get in on everything possible. Check out the Awesome O Plus Platinum where we have literally any contest out there. We've got content for it if they have contests for it. So go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check that out today and be sure to join our premium Slack chat when you do. So you can talk DFS, sports, betting, you name it, round the clock with a pretty cool community. And uh, Josh, we're not asking for likes anymore. No, no. We want subs, man. Likes are so 2019. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks for hanging out, guys. And uh, hey, hit us up on Twitter at ShipMyMoneyDFS at Josh Engelman and at Lafayette underscore D. And uh, hey, if you like the content, uh, tell your friends about it. Tell them to check out the Awesome O channel. Uh, any way to you know, help us improve the brand so we can keep putting out free content uh, is, is a huge success and or a huge help to us. So we appreciate it. Good luck tonight, guys. Check out Matt Kajeski and my strategy show. If you missed it, it just aired before this. Everything for tonight's two-game slate with a Millie Maker on DraftKings, the waiver wire report coming up, and a whole lot more. You'll get a live before lock with Alex and Kyle later tonight as well. We'll see you back here soon.